Well, hello, everyone. I am Chase of the podcast. Resistance is futile, I think. Anyway, um, <laughs> before I was assimilated, um, I'm the captain, Captain Chase McKinney. And um, anyways, welcome, everyone, to this um, episode of These Are the Voyages. Uh, joining me once again is um, it's that one guy that just seems to hang out in 10 Forward wherever we go, whether it's on the Enterprise, it's on Deep Space Nine at the Promenade. He loves hanging out with Morn and playing some Damjot and um, some Dabo. And uh, you know him, Lieutenant Commander Eric. How you doing, bud? I'm doing okay. Do, do we, like, Damjot, like, it's like pool, but, like, not really? Can you explain to me Damjot? No, I just know there's usually Nausikans involved in some Damjot. But Can you yeah. explain to me Dabo? Mm, Dabo's like roulette. It's kind of like roulette, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think of like Damjot as like these. Um, okay, it's I'm, more like that like bumper pool. Have you seen that like bumper pool? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, what I was what I was thinking of is um, I'm going to take us back to potentially our childhood and maybe some other people's childhood. Um, there were like these really like cheap toys. Like you'd usually get them like in like a, um, I don't know, like a like a like a party favor kind of bag, um, maybe sometimes. And they'd be like pool or they'd be something, and they'd have like these little tiny like stick prong things like with like a spring on it, and you'd pull it back. And like, it shoots something. And like, yes, I know what you're talking about. Um, I don't know what it's called, but I've only ever yeah. saw them in like party favors, right? Um, or like a, maybe a stocking stuffer or, or something like that, um, like around Christmas time. And um, anyway, like that's what I think of whenever I think of um, of Domjot. It's like pinball meets party favor pool um, at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I- I always thought of it like that bumper pool, but like okay. I don't understand. Like there are no like actual pockets on the table, are there? I can't remember. I don't know. I don't now we're just getting off track. Yeah, we are, but that's okay. It's okay. That's okay. It's Maybe. part of the course. Yeah, it's it's Jensen at the meeting. It's Jensen at the lodge meeting. That's where we're at right now. Yeah, um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he actually like listens to this, because like uh, I doubt I doubt it. He doesn't strike me as a Star Trek fan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, anyway, uh, how the heck have you been, man? I know it's been um, it's been about a week or so since we uh, chit chatted about the last episode. Yeah, I um, I, you know, it was exciting for me this week. I got to teach. You know, I'm, I'm a math teacher, and I love math, but I love literature, right? I mean, it's probably to people listening to this, they've heard me talk about literature in the past right Mm -hmm. i got to teach my first literature class this week which was like exciting one of the literature teachers was out this week and i got to feel i was like "Ooh, ooh, here it comes finally get to teach literature nice nice yeah yeah they're uh, the seventh graders uh they just started reading fahrenheit 451 okay and so we got to just they had started the day before so we got to i got to do a little recap of the beginning of the book and then we read 10 pages or so in class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was now, fun. So 
I get. I want, I want to like maybe camp out on this for just a, just a, a few minutes at least. So I know that you know for a long time you were a professor in college, right? Teaching a variety of of math classes like calculus, one, two, three, four, five million, whatever. And um, and you stops at three. Okay, stops well, at three. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know these <laughs> things. Okay. Um, um, but you you made the change to a charter school and you're teaching um, like elementary at not elementary but like you know secondary at essentially math um so being at a charter school um they hired you without needing to have like a teacher certification essentially um that's correct yes. because you have like a lot of training a lot of education in math and you've have experience teaching math i guess what i'm kind of curious about is like knowing that you have like um, an interest a proclivity whatever for for literature in, in like maybe some kind of like language arts English, whatever education type of thing, um, is there an opportunity for you at your charter school to be able to teach literature more regularly in, instead of just staying in your lane of math? Uh, the answer, it could be maybe. Um, I do actually have a minor in English oh, okay. right back in college. I got a minor in English. Minors in English and history, by the way. Um, but... Um, you know, we just we cover for the other the other teachers. We don't get like subs. We just we willingly give up one of our two planning periods to to cover for them. So, you know, different people might be covering for the same person's class at different times of the day. Um, <clears throat> but like uh, when they this school, when we get to the high school level, they do a class called Humane Letters. And it's essentially just a seminar-style class, and it's like joint history and and literature together, where they talk about literature, but they also talk about it the historical context of the literature, and then they go off in different ways from there. And um, it sounds like a, an exciting class. One of the one of the new teachers this year is also a former graduate of of this charter school network, and so. It definitely seems like something that would be a fun thing to just pop into on my own, even if I'm not teaching it. But there is a possibility of being able to, like, you know, run that seminar-style class a few times. Okay. Not on a permanent basis, but a few times. Okay. I mean, like, I mean, it's cool, you know, like, that y'all get to cover for each other and that you have, like, an interest list. Um, it'd be kind of interesting, you know, go to go to your headmaster and be like, hey... Hey, I'm your mini me. And besides parking lot duty, I want to be someone else's mini me, right? And I want to teach Ethan Frome. I want to teach. Oh, God, no, no. <laughs> if if they were like, hey, congratulations, we'll let you teach literature, but you have to do Ethan Frome. Nope, I'm good. That was the worst piece of crap we ever read. I, just because it's written by Edith Wharton doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> I mean, the only thing—the only thing worse that I think I read was Bartleby. God, Bartleby is awful. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> you can't sit there and tell me you liked Ethan Frome. No, I didn't. <laughs> no, no. God, that—that that is terrible. No, I've told you before. You know, like only going off like the American Lit class that we we took in high school, and and I don't know if we all read the same books or not, but I'm willing to bet we read like at least most of the same books. And um, the one that I enjoyed the most from American Lit was Great Gatsby. 
Um, yeah, I like The Great Gatsby. Mm-hmm. We didn't read... No, we read Catcher in the Rye, and I wasn't too keen on that, that one. See, see, I don't like The Catcher in the Rye at all. I think Col- Holden Caulfield is a whiny little spoiled bitch. But anyway, the thing is, I actually really like some of J.D. Salinger's other writings. So I think he wrote... a. Uh, it's called Franny and Zooey, which I think is actually, I would call that a masterpiece. And, like, The Catcher in the Rye and Franny and Zooey, need, their reputations need to be flipped. And it's I think Franny and Zooey would be a good thing for to be read in school, not The Catcher in the Rye, which is a piece of crap as far as I'm concerned. Sure. I know in English 10, so that would be um, sophomore grade 10 um, English class that Eric and I took. Um, we had different instructors, but... Um, I think the one that I enjoyed the most, um, which one was that? Of Mice and Men was all right, but um, uh-huh. I liked, um, oh my gosh, um, Flies, I know, Lord of the Flies. We didn't read that in 10th grade. I didn't. We read it in uh, Popovich's, um English 10 class. I In 10th grade, I remember reading Of Mice and Men. Mm-hmm. Night by Ellie Wiesel, like mm-hmm. the Holocaust story. And I remember reading, we read The Taming of the Shrew, my my teacher. Some people read Julius Caesar, but I don't remember what my teacher's name was, but we read The Taming of the Shrew. I can't remember anything. I know we didn't read The Lord of the Flies. I know that. So the only, the only reason I know that we read it is because um, the, way, the way my teacher did it in high school was at the end of every book that we finished, we had a party, okay? And we had um, different um, committees, like different responsibilities for the party. So there was like the security committee. So you had to like be security, like in the same like vein or theme as like the book that we read. Um, like, so you're watching out for other teachers and administrators that like of, of stuff. So it was, it was kind of cool. You had an entertainment committee and you would make like um, like a movie or something, like a little short film, and you'd play it during the movie. You had the hospitality committee who was in charge of like getting like the food and the beverage for the party. So we, I mean, we had like I don't know, maybe three or four parties in a semester or in a school year, right? Like reading all the books or whatever it was. Yeah. But the other thing was, um, we, um, my, my teacher also made a soundtrack. So he made a, a, a like a mixed CD for the students of um, songs that were kind of like thematic with uh, what we were reading. So like I remember, um, oh my goodness, um, I think it was of Mice and Men. I think it was of Mice and Men. We had um, Eleanor Rigby um, as one of the songs on the soundtrack, for example. Okay. So, anyways, like that's the only reason I remember reading um, Lord of the Flies in 10th grade. Um, there were a couple of friends of mine that I only had class with them that year. Um, uh-huh. And we went, um, there were like some woods off of um, like uh, like near Grand Blanc Road and uh, Dort Highway. And we went there yeah. and like we shot our own, I was on the entertainment committee, we shot our own like short film. Like it was like a total um, satire of Lord of the Flies where we were like trying to get off the island. We were trying to get off the island and stuff and like we were just like losing our mind and then at the very end we were like guys there's cars right there 
We, we can literally just leave. <laughs> well, I mean, you literally just spoiled the ending of that book. But I was going to try not to. But, like, I was going to say, that's not my favorite book because it's very anticlimactic. <laughs> I mean, but, like, the eighth graders did just finish reading Lord of the Flies at our school. And uh, I teach class in a room right after la, they teach the eighth grade literature teacher. So I'm in that same room right after she is. And uh, on the board, one of the students had written, they had written, Lord of the Flies death count. <laughs> and it was like, it was like, let X equal the number of people who died in the plane crash. Death count equals X plus four. <laughs> I was like, they know how to use variables. Yes. <laughs> I was like, a little morbid, a little morbid, but yes. They're like, Mr. Christopherson, do you like what we wrote? I was like, I appreciate. <laughs> Eric, have you seen the, um, the, um, oh, it, it's, it's this like little, like meme of sorts that's kind of like making the rounds on, on social media. I, I think I've mainly seen it like on Facebook and Instagram, but it's, um, um, if you um, or how how your um, high school algebra teacher expects you to use this math in real life or something like that, and it's like this formula, it's like speed limit, and then like this formula, and um, you do all the math, and it basically ends up being forty-five. But it's got like like two plus the parentheses something something x whatever type of thing. No, I, I haven't seen that. No. Okay, I'll have to find it and send it to you. But but I, a few few years ago, I saw this one meme. It was like, it was like, a wife wrote a note to her husband and was like, "I'm going out of town. Here's money for everything you need on this card. The pin the pin number is, and it was the pin number is the answer to this problem. And it was like an integral. But like, I did the integral, and it like took like five pages of stuff. I had to use all of, like, the integration techniques that I knew. <laughs> you had to do, like, three different substitutions, a partial fractions. Uh, there was, you had to do a coordinate change, and it was, like, really super long. <laughs> I don't to know me, what I thought any that of that was hilarious. means. I thought it was hilarious, because <laughs> it took me, like, five pages of work to figure this out, and it was like, <laughs> the pin number is the answer to this problem. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you lost me at integral, and that—that's about it. So, the highest. You know when they write the law, the thing that looks like you take an S and you stretch it out. Yeah, that's an integral. Okay. The highest I went, and I don't know if I'm about to like lose the respect and and like any cred or whatever, but the highest I went was was it? It was either algebra two or trig. I can't remember. I know I didn't take calc. I've People are going to about and listener are about to give me a weird look. I've always wanted to learn calculus, always. Why I, are they going to give you a weird look? I don't know because like who wants to learn math just for funsies? Besides you, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> Eric raises his hand. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I remember, I remember asking my geometry teacher at one point um, this question, and I don't know if it's like a calc question or what or what, but. Um, 
I was like Mrs. I it was like Kane or Johnson or something. She was a new a new teacher at the high school. I was like, so we know distance formula equals distance equals rate times time and stuff. I'm like, but what if I want to know what my true average is of something like that? Like, I had only gone 60 miles per hour for 30 seconds, 61 miles an hour for a minute, and like I gave like all these like different rates and stuff like to encompass an hour. And um, I don't know if she was just like saying it, but she's like, it sounds like you want to do some calculus or something like that. Like whether that's actual calculus or not, I don't know. But okay, okay. So the concept of an integral is you can't look at something as a whole because okay, let's assume distance. Distance equals rate times time. If your rate is the same, then you just use distance equals rate times time. But if your rate, your speed, your velocity is changing then we say that's not constant. So we break up your your travels into little small periods. We figure out what your rate is on each period, what your little time spent on that period is. Then we go to your next little little period, how fast you're going there, how much time. And we do figure out what happens on each of those little pieces. And then we add them all up. Okay, But then, to create an integral, you let each the number of pieces that you're adding up go to infinity so each little piece the width goes to zero so each little interval of time in that instance would be as small as possible and that's what you call an integral so that's exactly what you were thinking chase wow and i was thinking about something without even know what i was thinking about i hate it when i think on the fly i said that last time <laughs> <laughs> no but i think i mean i think it'd be cool like i just remember um like, I, I always wanted to be in the calc class, and I don't know, like, how, like, evaluations worked, but for some reason I was placed in pre-algebra in high school, and I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be, like, I just, I rattled it off, like, so easily, and, like, I did really well in pre-algebra and algebra. Geometry gave me heck, um, but, like, once I got back to algebra 2, I was doing good. Learning, like, SOHCAHTOA, like, basic trigonometry stuff, like, I was, like, super excited about that. Like, I wanted to do trig, I wanted to do, um calc and like watching um the based on a true story movie uh with um edward almost right from battlestar uh stand and deliver like that got me interested in wanting to learn calc and um i wanted to take calc in high school i wanted to take calc in college i never got to and um anyway that's like one one dumb regret that i have is that i never learned calculus and i know that sounds really silly but i'm being dead serious on that i'll send you all my stuff right i'll if you, I mean, seriously, if you like have, as like an online course, I'll send you all the things. Seriously, if you have like, like, not an Eric, like master's class in calc, but like, no, break I'll, it down Barney send, style. Like, I'll send you all of the lecture videos that I made for my online calc class. Okay, see, this is why I keep you around. I mean, that's the only reason. <laughs> well, I mean, we've we've kind of been friends. You know, yeah. for like two decades, for crying out loud. So, yeah, that's the only reason is because I, I know math. Yeah, well, you know. Um, anyway, well, we have been rambling a lot, but um, just got back from a trip, and um, the uh, I don't know if, if she's an admiral or a or a captain or what she is. Like, she's my number one, right, um, in life. But uh, me and me and my wife, we just celebrated our 10-year wedding anniversary which is just wild that's, that's crazy 
it I, I, I posted recently on uh, one of my social media accounts I'm like this is just so surreal like being at this point like 10 years of marriage like just does not does not compute at all <laughs> and yeah like so we went we we went away for uh, a little less than 24 hours just because we have a newborn and um, so yeah we got we got a nice hotel went to our um, favorite expensive dinner place <laughs> that we go to um, if you've never by the way if you've never been to Fogo to show um, you need to go it's it's like it's like a Texas Day Brazil. It's a Brazilian um, like steakhouse type of thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. But um, but they have this um, like these different cuts of meat or whatever, and like you have like these people like dressed in um, was it like uh, like gaucho pants or something like that, and they come around, they cut like cut the meat off and like put it on your plate, and man, it's so good. Like my favorite thing there is lamb. If I'm making anyone hungry right now, I'm sorry. If you're vegetarian, I'm sorry also, but I'm not apologizing for good meat. I mean, it was good and, um, just, just good all around. And we just had a good time. And, um, we stopped at a place near our hotel on the way back. It's a, it's a British store. Like they have a bunch of like authentic British stuff. And, um, one of the things that I got was um, just this dumb little thing. It's um, Jean-Luc Picard's Make It Soap. And it's Earl Grey scented <laughs> bar soap. Make It Soap. <laughs> and I also found this um, uh, Mr. Spock pillbox. And uh, there you go. That's... <laughs> So that that was that was it basically. And um, while I was there, um, I I know the owner of the shop, and I hadn't seen her in a while, so it was good to see her and catch up a little bit. Um, but I drink Earl Grey tea, and I'm sure there's listeners out there that drink Earl Grey tea as well, which I'm drinking as we're recording. And um, I asked her, like, hey, it, besides this brand of of um, Earl Grey tea, is there like a brand that you like? And she's like, oh yes. You have to get Taylor's. So uh, it's this Taylor's brand um, Earl Grey tea. And I got to say, man, like drinking this right now, like I'm not getting any sponsorship from Taylor's or from from Sheila's shop. But woo, this is good <laughs> Earl Grey tea, man. I'm just saying. I'm saying yeah. it's good. <laughs> you just slipped into there to the British accent there. <laughs> Oh yes. Don't ask. Don't ask me to do accents. Not happening. No, that's my job. That's my job. I got my one. I got my one voice. <laughs> you got the maths, and you got your voice, with that's and, right. and some Star Trek thrown in for good measure. That's right. So, that's all I need. Oh goodness, goodness, goodness. Well, we've uh, we've rambled long enough. Um, it's been it's been a good week though. Been a very good week, uh, with work, with with celebrating and. Um, being able to still be able to talk Trek um, another week with new episodes, whether we, we like it or not. And I think this is going to be an interesting discussion that we have today. So for all of you out in listener land, welcome to um, the actual discussion. Now that we're done rambling, we're getting done with our Jensen at the Lodge meeting portion of the show. Um, as we move in, just remember this is your red alert now. We're going into spoiler territory. Ter- terror, 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 terror
terror territory. Words are hard to Terror. 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 Territory. What in tar nations? All right. Yeah. So um, as all seriousness, though, if you haven't seen this episode, turn back now, hit the pause button, go give it a go, and then come on back and hit play and hear us talk about it, whether we liked it, didn't like it, or whatever. And we're about to find out how that went. So um, anyway, we are now this Eric, 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 this is, can you believe it? Episode eight, season two, Lower Decks. I excretus. Yeah, episode eight. That's where it like got good last season. Not that there weren't moments in the first seven episodes in the first season, but I think we we're all in agreement that like episodes eight, nine, and ten were definitely the best episodes of season one. Agreed. At least you and I, and I think David, we're yeah. all in agreement on that. Yeah. Which, by the way, David wasn't able to join us this week. Uh, once again, still taking care of some stuff. Um, but hopefully we'll be able to have him back before this season wraps up. So, Yeah, and before you know it, this season will be over, right? and then we'll be on to the next thing. Prodigy, baby. And then the next thing after that, probably some double dipping. Who knows how long many episodes Prodigy is going to be, but if you look at the calendar and do the math, there's probably going to be some some double up there towards it's the gonna end. It's going to be awkward. It's going to be an awkward turtle if we have to double up. Um but who knows? I mean, who knows? Um, I haven't seen uh, what the the projected episode count is for Prodigy. Some people are saying it's going to be very short, like it's going to be like four to six episodes. Others are saying it's going to be like a traditional like Star Trek season of like ten ish episodes. If they made us wait like a year for four or six episodes, like shame on them, <laughs> right? It's like we're this is not British TV like speaking about your British things where like seasons are only four or five episodes. I don't know if you've ever watched any British shows on like Netflix or anywhere, but like they're all four or five episodes. Give me more. Right. Right. We're Americans. We need eight. We need at least eight. <laughs> I want 26 though. Right. I want 24. 24, yeah. <laughs> I was going to make that. I was going to say that. I was like, you know, I don't want to go down another, like, dive, let Jensen at the lodge meeting. So I said 26. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I excrete us. Season I two, excretus. episode eight. And um, anyway, so in this particular episode, we, um, we have um, this this uh, consultant of, of some sort. Can, can, look, before we even get to that, before we even get to that, right? I don't mean to stop you, but How like... How dare you? <sighs> like, we Fail. need to talk about... We need to talk about this opening scene here. Okay, so our four main characters, Boimler, Mariner, Rutherford, and Tendi, mm -hmm. they're outside doing a spacewalk, repairing something, okay? I know we have harped on this, in at least two episodes, maybe more. Why are these the people that are going on some mission to do something? Why is it these four people? Why is there nobody higher ranked than an ensign? Right? I know there are main characters, so I get that, that that's the reason why. But tell me, why are these people, these four people there by themselves doing this mission. Can you explain this to me? No. 
No, because it doesn't make sense. I mean, they're they're on like some kind of what what was it exactly? I know it was and like they were repairing some s- telescope something, right? Like a something. satellite, something. Yeah. And it doesn't I mean I could I could accept, you know, Rutherford Mariner and Boimler, but Tendi doesn't really make sense to me, like her being out there. No. Nope. But, like, who's in charge of this mission, this spacewalk? Right. I mean, you shouldn't put an ensign in charge of this. You need at least, like we've said, like we've we've gone on time and time again, you need at least someone that's at least one rank above. Like, a lieutenant. Whether it's a JG or not. Yeah. Totally fine. Somebody. Somebody. It just, ah, I know we've harped on this, but this, I, I, I have to keep going back to this because it makes no sense. Sure. And then also in this opening scene, Captain, we're receiving a distress call from this ship. They say they're caught in a causality loop. We're receiving the same thing. We're receiving the same thing. And Captain's like, well, we better go and help them. Warp away. Leave our people behind. In what what world would a Starfleet captain ever leave people behind like this? Lower deck. This makes this makes no sense, and it, it it's very frustrating because Carol Freeman is incompetent. I'm just gonna put it out there. This there's no this person has no business being the captain of a Federation starship. She is the most incompetent person I've ever seen in a Star Trek show. Maybe even in a science fiction show. She is awful. She is awful. And this episode just proves how awful she is. Wow. Okay. All of sci-fi, huh? I I mean, she is terrible. She is so incompetent. That's a spoiler for, like, my delta rating at the end on the command. <laughs> oh, I know, Eric. I know you're mad, but I can't help but laugh at that. <laughs> like, no Starfleet captain would just leave their people behind like this. Not without some kind of provisions, right? No, but like, and I know people might be saying, well, there are episodes where people get left behind on something, but it's not like, oh, we just forgot about them, or, oh, we left them on purpose, like, or we left them without saying anything to them. Like, this, you just don't leave people behind like this. Yeah, I was actually just watching... Um, Especially uh, when they're, you're not in any danger at this moment, like, it's not going to be difficult. They're all, they're done with their mission, right, repairing this mm-hmm. telescope or whatever it was. Like, it's not like oh, well, they need to finish this, and there's some kind of time sensitivity. Right. Yeah, I was... Um, so I was recently watching um, uh, Broken Bow, right? The the Star Trek Enterprise uh, series premiere. Just, you know, we had the... Um, on September 26th, it was the 20th anniversary of that episode premiering, of the show premiering. And I was re-watching, and I had to start and stop it at different times. But um, there's a point um, towards, like, the, the middle to end of the episode, you know, when they're, they're down on, was it Rigel, I believe. And, uh, and like, there's like all the, the, I think it's like ionization. There's the storm. There's like the, all, all the stuff that's going on. That's 
interfering with communications with the away team and um, the enterprise and um, I think it's uh, was it Ensign Mayweather and T'Pol at one point no 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 no. Um, regardless like of who of who it is I don't want to screw it up right now but anyways um, like if we move our position the away team's not going to be able to find us type of thing and I think that's perfectly acceptable because like obviously there's there's that consideration right that's taking place uh, with with the away team but this like obviously it was just being played for laughs I mean we just got to remember like this show is just being teed up as like a comedy and um I mean, for the most part, like spoilers, I thought this episode was pretty funny, but I did not appreciate the cold open with this episode. Yeah, and then when they finally do pick them up, like, Carol Freeman, she's trying to, like, defend herself and her actions. She's like, I have all these important decisions to make, and sometimes you're not going to like them, but you just have to accept them because I'm the captain. No, there's no defense of this. And, like, the fact that she is trying to defend these actions makes it even worse and the fact that ransom her first officer is there defending her actions and Shax is there defending her actions it's like this whole crew has just come to accept her incompetence sure which i think you know kind of going into the rest of the episode that's addressed like how incompetent she is right like with with the consultant and like all the holodeck pod things um, that's being used to assess like how they function as a ship. So, yeah, like I said, I didn't, I didn't like, I did not like the cold open for this. Um, it just, it, I didn't think it was handled very well at all. Um, so, we have. Like, like I was starting to say at the beginning, like we have this consultant that comes on to assess like um, crew readiness and um, cohesiveness and like whatever else type of thing. And all these like various like simulated training missions. And the, the real stinger, I guess, with this is that the senior officers are now lower deckers and the lower deckers are now senior officers of sorts, which I don't know if that really mattered in the grand scheme of things of the show. Um, other than like of this particular episode, like in terms of um, like like scenarios, like I don't think it really helped uh, apart from like seeing like Ransom Shacks, Freeman, um, Ransom Shacks, Freeman, who else was there? Um, actually moving the crates and, back and, and forth. Uh, and the doc- and Tana, Tana, Dr. Tana, Tana. Um, moving the crates back and forth. I, I like that. I thought that was funny. No, I, I I actually like the basic idea of of the you know the consultant who comes on to evaluate the crew in these different situations and and flipping flipping the ranks. I think that's something that would fit and could play well for for drama and and teaching a lesson where you're like, what was the, what was the what was the word that. Um, Alex Kurtzman or Akiva Goldsman used on on um, the Star Trek Day the panel. It was like sweetening the pill or something, right? Uh, Where you don't yeah. know you don't know you're being taught a lesson, but you are. Yeah, the O Henry moment and sweetening the pill. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think this idea could could be used effectively for dramatic purposes, and and I like that, and and it makes sense to me that. 
you know, if you're the captain or the first officer, you need to be able to to do all of the jobs on the ship. You don't necessarily, maybe don't have to do all of the jobs because they're specialized jobs that that require special training. But you at least have to have some kind of working knowledge of them, and you should be able to understand where all of your crew members are coming from when they write their reports. So I I like that idea. But you're right. I don't think like when they flip it and they put like Mariner in her mirror universe thing, which or they put her on like to ride a horse. What did it matter what her rank was in either of those situations? Exactly. That to me that like that didn't matter. And when Boimler and I've got a lot to say about this Boimler situation, right? When Boimler was in his, it didn't really matter what rank he was at that point. No. But but you're right. I did get a laugh out of the out of the um, when the the brain trust, so to speak, was doing their lower deck simulations. How do they expect us to stack these things if they're this shape? <laughs> and then like like the guy came running in. Did you see a queue around here? Wait, there's a queue. Forget I said that. Oh my god, Jemadar! Like it's just like all of the things that were like to me that was funny. I did I did get a laugh out of that. <laughs> there are Klingons right on the other side of this hole and we're stacking things? <laughs> okay, so you brought up Klingons. So I gotta say this. Um, when and, and I know like not everyone will appreciate this and I don't even know if Mike McMahon and team were even thinking this way but I, I, I had a big old smile when I saw a Klingon encounter uh, pop up on the screen and I'll tell you why Klingon Encounter was the name of the ride that you went on at Star Trek The Experience so that took me right back to like how much I love and miss Star Trek The Experience so like that was just whether that was an intentional nod or not or if it was just pure serendipity cool I, I, I loved that moment regardless of how it played out okay okay yeah, I mean, I, I wish I had gotten a chance to go to the Star Trek experience, but I never did. And then, of course, like there was the rehash of of ethics, right? Right, um, which is a is a really good episode. That again, it's like you're yeah. being taught some kind of lesson there. Right. So, um, so yeah, I think we're in agreement. Like that, the for the lower deckers being like the senior officers didn't really matter. I guess like the only reason it mattered is because like the senior officers get to go on more of like the dangerous or more interesting missions I mean, basically. I, I think I, that was it. I think it mattered in Rutherford's and and I think you and I are in agreement that Rutherford is our favorite character here or at least the one that we see like interesting stories in, in growth. So I think I think being the chief engineer in his scenario essentially, you know, the sacrifice yourself to to go into the radiation filled room, you know, a la Spock in the Rathacon, mm -hmm. right? That I think that one it makes sense for him to be the chief engineer. Yeah. Right? And he has a higher rank. In the same sense that there was that episode where Deanna Troy was training to become a bridge officer mm -hmm. and she had to go she had to like figure out how to pass this training that that she had been failing over and over again and Riker was gonna like say hey listen I don't think you're gonna pass this one but she figures it out 
right? And there's I don't you remember this episode? I do very well. Right, right. Okay, she she figures out what it is, and she has to order Jordy to do something, right? I don't mm-hmm. know if I want to like say how much of what what it is there, but I think I think I've said enough. I think it I think it fits. Absolutely, absolutely. The other thing I, I liked about um, the, per, the that particular scenario with Rutherford, um, and this is just like. I don't know, Easter egg fan service type of thing, but I liked it. I just like seeing the animated version of the Monster Maroon, personally. I, 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 li- <laughs> I like seeing the Monster Maroon again. I think it's a gorgeous uniform, and any opportunity to lay eyes on it, whether it's you know in the movie, it's on a cosplay, or it's animated, I'm all for it. I'm on, no, I'm on the I, Monster Maroon hype train. I liked seeing the, the Scotty the motion picture engineering uniform that, that too that white thing yeah i don't think i don't know if they wore it through all of the movies but i know they definitely showed up in the motion picture i can't yeah, remember it, if he was wearing it in the later movies you know it, it yeah it originated in motion picture and um while pretty much all the uniforms were scrapped from motion picture moving forward there were a couple holdovers one of which was the, the engineering suit that we saw right and um, then there's also um, 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 uh, McCoy's uh, doctor's tunic of sorts. Like it was like a weird, like V-neck something, very '70s looking uh, doctor's <laughs> smock, smock, not Spock, doctor's smock. Okay. Um, okay. That that was that was a holdover through um, the succeeding movies. So. Um, okay. Yeah. But yeah, Rutherford is, Rutherford's my boy, man. Like I, I love Rutherford. Like he's the guy that I look forward to seeing what kind of shenanigans he's going to get into every episode. Okay. So who do you want to talk about first? Do you want to talk about Mariner or do you want to talk about Boimler? Um, let's get Mariner out of the way. Let's just go kind of in order, I guess. Okay. All right. So Mariner steps in there and she, I I think her first one was Mirror Universe Encounter. That's right. Right, and she's like, I mean, at first she's basically gonna try to slough it off and and whatever. I can I can do I can do this and go then sit around do my typical Mariner stuff. Right, no character development from Mariner in these two seasons, as far as I'm concerned. It's like let me do the minimum possible so I can go hang out later. Mm-hmm. And um, we saw like you sent me like a couple weeks ago a text message of like a screenshot of. Mariner and Shax in Mirror Universe, and I was like, "Please God, no! Please God, no! Please God, please, please no!" But okay, I'm glad we didn't actually go to the Mirror Universe. It was just some some short little holodeck thing, which I'm fine with in this instance. I'm not going to like crucify the Mirror Universe at this point. Um, <laughs> but like, it was short and she wasn't able to protect herself because she saluted with the wrong hand and then she gets zapped by evil Boimler and mission failed. Mm -hmm. I I mean, that's it, right? Yeah. And then, and then they load this uh, Western one, which I was like, Eric's going to eat this up because he loves Westerns, Star Trek, Westerns and Star Trek. (laughs) I do. Yeah. Yeah, but then she's like, oh, I have to go ride this horse. Oh, but then I get trampled on by the horse. Mission failed, and that was it. Well, like, before, even before that, though, like, 
she tried going a different way, right? Like, so Mar Mariner's like trying to be creative, like regardless of how we, how we think and feel about her, okay? Um, and that goes for the people out in Listenerland too. So she's, we don't know like the full extent of like what she was trying to do, but we know that she was trying to go a certain way and there was like some kind of like field, right? Like that just stopped her from going a certain way. And right. I was thinking like, Look, I know this is an egg-shaped hollow pod, like for a scenario. But like, if you if you want to see how people are gonna like respond to something, like why put like that many restrictions on it? So, I thought right. there I thought there was something up when I saw that. Like when I, when I saw like the the red field kind of zap up for a second, right. and I'm like, why? Why can't we go this way? That doesn't make any happened, sense. It happened in both of both of Mariners, right? Yeah. She tried to walk through a door in the Mirror Universe one, and it. She got stopped from going that way. Because mm -hmm. it was like, I think it, the computer said you were off mission or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I didn't like them. Like, something's up. Like, something doesn't smell right. Like, before we even got to, like, further along in the episode, I'm like, there, something, something's just not right with this. And, mm -hmm. um, of course, we're going to later find out that something indeed was up uh, yes. with all this. Um, but, like... I was like kind of on like I didn't really like I didn't like the lower the um the uh the, the mirror universe stuff. Um especially when we got to like Shax and Ransom in the hall and we saw like the ten forward of the Cerritos in that mission. If I'm thinking oh, you of mean the the naked time one? Yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry, that wasn't mirror universe, yeah, the, the naked right. now naked time, yeah. Yeah, so like I mean I think we I saw naked now or naked time on the board right when yeah he was listing all the missions in the background and i was like that's a, like the naked time is the one from the original series right and the naked now is from tng that sounds right yeah yes. and by the way so, by the way eric the um that white dwarf thing that i was telling you about last time with the astrophysicist it was uh, that episode of, of of next gen that they were watching okay so anyway, the Naked Time I think is actually a fantastic original series episode. I mean, the Naked Now is kind of not a great episode, right? But like, oh, agreed. Here we go. Here we go again. Let's do the sex stuff. Is that the you know how to do, Mike McMahon? <laughs> is do the sex stuff, like? And it's like Mariner's like, oh my god, is this the one where all the people like have sex with each other and fight? It's like, I know what's happening now. Like, oh my god. Like, she walks into 10 Ford and everybody's naked. And we have to get mm -hmm. like, like we have to get the black sensor bar on Boimler. Like, we got that at one point last season. Right? And then, then she went out in the hallway and like... Ransom and I think Billups. Shacks. Billi oh, Billups. Oh, yeah, it was Billups. Billups. Billups, right? We're like. No, yep. Like, no. Like, inappropriate. Inappropriate for a Star Trek show. Like, I know this is. Like, we're adults here, but this is just. It's not. It's not. This is not the place for that sort of thing. Right. Right. Yeah, I and was I was very I uncomfortable. Think, and, and like Mike McMahon calls himself a big fan of Star Trek, but I'm starting to question how much he actually understands Star Trek. 
Okay. Because like this is not this is not it. No. No, there's a um. Oh my, I can't remember. Um, one of my one of my friends was telling me about um this other um like Star Trek show, like a podcast or or something like that, and um they they watch like the cringiest um, episodes of Star Trek to determine if this is something that would cause someone to quit Star Trek. <laughs> and I'm wondering if this scene in this episode would be one of them. Like, um, like Prophet and, uh, Prophet and Lace, right, is one of them. Uh, Threshold's another one. Um, uh, Code of Honor is another one. So, like, they get, like, the cringiest episodes and, um, and go through it. Like, how, how badly would you want to quit Star Trek and just like get in your shuttle pod and go home type of thing. Um, yeah, I, I, I hated that part. Like, um, just that part of, of the episode, the most, the most, I was like, can we just like take this out and just leave it alone? Like, I mean, I could probably deal with like the 10 forward stuff, just like not, not the ransom and billup stuff. Like that was just like too over the top. Like I can take everything else, but that, It's just it's this is not the place for that sort of thing. Agreed. I'd agree. So yeah, Mariner um, fails like hard on on every single scenario that she goes through. And um, the thing that was a little confused about is um, it said like if you failed, you got locked out. But like was it like an average fail like like you you average like all your scenarios and you're locked out or is it like you fail the scenario and you're locked out yeah so i was wondering this too because we we saw boimler he got a passing score on his first one and then he said go again is it only because he got a passing score that he was allowed to go again because i would think if you got a failing score that would be the time when you would want to go again when it would in, when this consultant would encourage you to go again. And now we find out that the consultant is not really actually trying to help these people later on. Right. But is it because Boimler passed the first time that he could go again, but everybody else failed their first time, which is why they couldn't try again? Mm-hmm. I, I, I think so. Yeah, it, did, it didn't make sense. Like, what does, what does one person passing have to do with the whole holopods being able to work or like the training whatever being able to stay online like I just well, I, I, I think, wasn't getting I think that it was because, I think it was because all of the training is not done and so in order for the report and the evaluation to be complete all of the training has to be done yeah so I, and I so as long as there's one thing that's not finished then sh- this consultant can't submit her report yeah I got that so I, I understood that part you know that the part the 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 thing can't be sent off to um, HQ or wherever it's being sent to, but you know with with Freeman and Mariner and whatever you know f- getting the big reveal that this lady is is not for them but actually is against them because she's got an agenda of some kind um, for this this you know consulting program this training you know evaluation program that she's helped develop or whatever. Um, Again, I just don't understand because like 
all the all the scenarios, unless I missed something, okay, they were they went into these little mini holodecks, these hollow pods. I don't know what they're called. Like I'm just calling them a hollow pod. I think she called them pods. I okay. think she actually used that phrase in the beginning. Okay, so we go in there and fail because you didn't stack the crates right. Or fail because you got trampled by a horse. Fail because of whatever it might be. But Boimler, like staying in the program, who by the way got a hundred percent score on on the Borg encounter. Good job, dude. Somehow allows like the overall training thing to work. Like again, I'm I'm not so dense to to not remember that you know it, the report can't be sent. Okay, like I'm just I'm not computing. For some reason, I'm not an android. Um, I'm a captain, not an android. And I just I just don't understand like apart from like Freeman and you know the lower deckers who are now on the on the bridge you know, jumping ahead a little bit, like they're actually doing a mission of sorts, like investigating a crystalline entity, which is suicide, by the way, because we know what crystalline entities do. Um, and, and somehow, like, that reverses stuff. And we go yeah, back, like, and we go back to, like, Freeman's incompetence, like you were telling me about. It's so, like, like, some of the stuff just wasn't connecting for me. I, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, so, like, I think, I think when... Um, they realize they're like, hey, Boimler, stay in there so this isn't over. I don't know. To me, I got the idea that they were going on this dangerous mission to somehow scare this evaluator. I, yeah, like this part didn't make as much sense to me because it's like, how does going on this dangerous mission help you? Like, yeah, okay, the report can't be sent off because Boimler's still in there, but... Yeah, I, I'm, I was a little confused, too. Well, and I think we're, we're kind of missing, I think, a somewhat important detail. I mean, one could argue that maybe it isn't isn't important, but, you know, like, the crew is, like, pretty well, like, defeated. They're feeling very disheartened about, like, their performance through this whole experience. So they're in, they're at the bar, they're, ten, I don't know what else to call it. Like, just the Cerritos is 10 forward, basically. Yeah, and yeah, fine. And... Uh, Freeman and Mariner are, like talking to each other, having a heart to heart, and like realizing, um, like they they think that part of like these training exercises is to gain perspective on what different parts of the crew do, like what it was like or what it yeah, is and like, then, and then that can help with camaraderie amongst the the crew of the ship. Yeah, and right. we see that they look over the bar and they see everyone talking about their scenarios and commiserating I guess and building a bond because of that and they're like yeah we figured it out that was the whole point of this and they go and they try to rush to this consultant I forget her name right mm-hmm. um, and like hey we figured it out good job and no you think that's no. what it was about no like most of Starfleet doesn't even know you exist doesn't even know a California class ship exists and like you and got, now we're, we're going we're going back to that joke from a few weeks ago where like the 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 party the party right they were only this level class and above people can get and everybody below that is not good enough for your party which is very like not Starfleet to me right it's not yeah and now we're basically saying that same thing again here mm-hmm I'm just trying to, I have an axe to grind and um, 
and and that's it. Like I have an axe to grind and um, trying to get you all broken up and whatever type of thing. And anyway, I didn't, I mean, I was waiting for it to be a lot more sinister and like stuff to blow up or whatever. Cause I just figured this is a artificial life form that can disembody themselves and float around and do whatever type of thing. And, um, but I mean, like part of me, no, like she, she was just, a, she was just a bureaucrat who wanted mm-hmm. to keep her job. That was, that was what she was. Yeah. That was, that was the main thing. But here's the thing. Like, even though it probably didn't land as well as it could have, I did like how it played out. Like, I like the fact that, that there was this whole like commiserating, like we were talking about the bar, this newfound uh, perspective and appreciation for other members of the crew. Liked that a lot. I liked the fact that it came together, that we actually got to see Rutherford, um, who was it? I think Mariner. Also, like Rutherford and Mariner were in the um, Helmsman and um, no, op no, stations, so, weren't they? So no, it was Tendi. Tendi, Tendi. was at the op station, and Rutherford was at the helm. Which and, the, and and I, and Mariner like, was captain. Yeah, well, but hold on. Like, why is a medical officer, a junior medical officer, sitting at the op station? Why is a junior grade engineer sitting at the helm station? Right? Like, I get. They're a part of our main cast, and we want them to be on the bri- on the bridge. I was gonna say the brig, right? <laughs> they want them to be on the bridge during like the climax of the episode. But like again, we're going back to the beginning. Why are these people here? Mm-hmm. Aren't isn't there a secondary operations officer? Isn't there a secondary helmsman? Right. I mean, like, couldn't couldn't Rutherford? have been up at like an engineering station like up on the the back part of the bridge right kind of like Jordy would have been um on the enterprise d for example right or like T- balana had her like engineering station way like way off to the side the voyager bridge is huge that it thing is. is massive like hey how you doing way over there <laughs> how you doing <laughs> We gotta get on our intercoms to talk because we can't. You can't chat. <laughs> oh shit! No, the Enterprise that, that that Voyager bridge is massive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like like I was saying, like even though it might have been a little weird, I did like it. Um, I did. I mean, crystalline entity. Okay, cool. There's our little one of our Easter eggs for for the episode. Cool. Um, we got to see, but, by but the there, way. But there was, e- but there was even a joke about the crystalline entity getting freaky, like another sex joke. Like, why do we? Like, again, I'm not a prude. Like, I'm not. People don't think I'm a prude, but like, why? Why? What was the? What was the point of that? Well, I think, I mean, like, even to to go along with you, like, you're not a prude. I mean, like, we were just talking about like how. Um, appropriate for the most part it was with Billups last week like with his people and like mm-hmm. and everything but then like this whole like uh not not emasculating but just like this poking and prodding him because he was having a hard time and like he wanted to dedicate himself to, to Starfleet and like serving the Federation right um, as opposed to being part of the hierarchy with his people anymore so 
I mean, we both spoke very highly, I think, about last week, if I remember right, uh, last week's episode. Um, but, I mean, in the end, I mean, the, the episode ends and the lady goes her way and that's pretty much it. Yeah, except, except I'm going to say this like, like they were like faking, faking how much trouble they were in to like, to scare this consultant lady or whatever. But, and they're like, oh, we're just at a normal black hole. That's no big deal. But I still feel like anytime you approach a black hole, you're, you're putting your ship in danger. And like, again, Captain Freeman is putting her ship and her crew in unnecessary danger, I think. And I think this is part of what gets me to like this, this utter incompetence that she has. Like, I Which, just feel like this was not necessary. But I think, like, like okay, I'm going to be very honest for a second. It's been a while since I've actually seen the, the episode Lower Decks on Next Gen, okay? But mm-hmm. from what I remember, there wasn't so much the hero worship of the senior officers as we w- we've had in like all the episodes we'd seen up to that point and the ones that we would see after that point. So perhaps like, just go with me for a second. Okay. I'm about to say something very provocative. Perhaps, perhaps, you know, we're only seeing these folks 45 minutes at a time, but the rest of them are are living with them on the enterprise on the, on Voyager and everything else on deep space nine. Perhaps our officers are incompetent that's the provocative thing and because we see them so much we hero worship them I know I'm kind of like flipping it on its head but I mean um, I don't know I don't think Riker or Picard is incompetent I, I mean, by the I way mean, I, think, I think the whole point of Star Trek is that especially the original series is that we show our our Starfleet officers to be like the best and almost almost too perfect in a sense right and that they're perfect humanity is perfect at this point and we're using alien species to like mirror the real world and point out the flaws in humanity Mm -hmm. through the alien species but our star fleet characters are perfect in a sense Mm -hmm. that's just the way i look at it which i think that's how most most if not all of us have looked at um at like the Kirks, the Picards, the Janeways, the Ciscos, um, of the of the Archers, right? Of of the different shows that we've uh, watched, you know. Um, maybe some people think of of Michael Burnham that way, and that's fine. Um, that we we see this perfection in in how we represent our society, and like you said, we we use the alien species and the adventures that we go on as the critique of how we can do things better, um, how we can approach things differently. But um. um the very end of this um, episode is is Boimler, right? He's coming out. Um, he he went from a hundred percent. No, we 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 gotta talk about about the Boim the Boims situation here. Okay, let's talk about the Boims. Okay, so Boimler goes through this. Oh, Borg encounter! I've read everything about the Borg, which I believe he has, right? Yes, hundred percent. That's, that's that's his thing. He's read all about. The Adventures of the Voyager, so he's, you know, I, I believe he's read everything. He's like, I, I can do this. And he just starts, first of all, he just starts shooting the board, which I 
I don't think that's the best strategy because you know you've only got two or three shots, right? Mm -hmm. So just shooting right away is probably not the best idea. But anyway, he he gets away, he escapes, and hey, I did that great. 79% or something like that was his score. Again. uh, Something like that. And he's like, I can do better than that, which this is in character with Boimler. Boimler is the perfectionist who he wants to be that perfect officer. We, mm-hmm. we know he's not, but that's so that fits, and I like that. And he goes again, and he does things differently. He gets an 83%. Go again. And then he gets 84. 84%. He's like, hit me again. Keep going. <laughs> and he's just, he keeps going. He's, and, like, I like that. He's, like, he's just continues to try and every, every time he comes I'm going to save the Borg babies and then I'm going to bring some Borg with me so we can study them and then I'm going to blow up the Borg cube instead of just escaping from it and he keeps just he, he oh I taught the Borg queen chess and empathy <laughs> <laughs> and he's got and he's got his 100% he's got his 100% and he's like yes I did it I did it and then Along comes Captain Carol Freeman, the incompetent person that she is. And I believe, I mean, listen, ha- Carol, Carol Freeman knows Brad Boimler. She's had enough interactions with him to understand this is the type of person he is that wants to, like, be perfect. But she says, Ensign, you better not get your ass out of that damn thing until I say you can. That's an order. You better keep going, risk your perfect score. It doesn't matter. I'm gonna I need you to stay in there. Okay? And he follows orders. But like Right. What happens after that is essentially psychological torture. This man is tortured. And what he goes through, we've seen the impact of people who got assimilated. I know he wasn't really assimilated, but when he comes out of there, he's not, he can't be in a good place. And Carol Freeman forced this upon him to save her own ass. Not to save her ship, but to save her and her crew. But she forced this torture, in a sense, on him to save herself. That is a very selfish act that she does, which again is what leads me to this incompetence in her. And, you know. This, this holodeck situation, this scenario just keeps going on, and he gets poked him. I know it's not real, but we see how things in the holodeck feel real. And I, I mean, I don't know how much it feels real, but he gets assimilated, essentially, and he gets tortured. But, like, in Mariner's Mirror Universe situation, she got, like, discovered and zapped, and it was like... Scenario over, mission failed. Why didn't hers continue on and, oh, she gets put in an agonizer booth and has to go through all this continued? Why did hers stop there? But why did Marin, but why did Boimler's keep going? Because it's fun. I mean, I'm not saying this in a funny way, but because it's fun to watch Boimler suffer. Like, Boimler must suffer is, like, part of, like, the shtick with this show, right? Yeah, but, like... If I'm Bradward Boimler, get me the hell off of this ship because these people don't give a damn about me. And I am their whipping boy. And they have mentally, physically, and emotionally abused me. Yeah. 
and and the therapist, the counselor on this ship, just makes food metaphors and is played for as a joke. I don't know. I just don't like this at all. Yeah. Yeah. I... I thought... I, I mean, I, I honestly, I hadn't even thought of that uh, with, like, the Freeman. Like, I, like, Freeman is just played off as a joke um, for me. Like, I just, I don't like Freeman. I think I've said that before. You've definitely said that before. Um, and, and, of course, like, the, the strongest, I think the strongest scenarios of the Lower Deckers have been Boimler and Rutherford. Um, those are the two that are getting the most character development in my, in my book, Boimler and Rutherford. And um, I was waiting to understand, like, where, like, how we were going to understand, like, the name of the episode. And, of course, it, like, happens, like, in the last minute and a half or whatever it ended up being of the show. And I'm like, okay, so we're ripping off um, Best of Both Worlds 1 and kind of hard time at the same time, too. Um, which I think is, is to your point, right? Like this psychological torture um, that he's going through. And I was just thinking like, also, you know, he was at a hundred percent. How much stuff had to go wrong for him to get down to, what was it like 8%? I think. Yeah. Something like that. 8% um, for him to, to go that far to lose 92% performance um, on this, on this sort of thing. Um, the way, okay, so you know me. I pay attention to music a lot, and um, there. Okay, there's there's a statement in music. Um, it's called um, "Dies Irae," and you've heard it. A lot of people have heard it, but probably didn't know that that's what it was called. Um, if you um, have you heard um, like the haunted mansion like sound at all? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay, so like. That's so Dies Irae is the statement that that's actually how you represent death in music. Um, doom and gloom. That that's the, the that's the musical statement for it. And I was like, I could have swore I heard it um, there towards the end, even if it wasn't like the. You hear it also in Lord of the Rings, whenever you're going down into the deep of um, Isengard, where like the the Urukai and everyone are being made. Dun 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 dun. That's that. Yeah, that's breaking up that statement. Um, so knowing that we were in episode eight, and finding out what happened to Boimler, I was like, okay, is this really happening? You know, like, yeah, it was on the holodeck, but here's the thing, too. And I don't know if you had, you had thought about this, and I don't know if it'll it'll play out. But we saw in First Contact what um, the movie First Contact, not the episode, the movie First Contact, what Picard did um, with the Borg, right? He turned off the safety pro- protocols, shot him with a Tommy gun, and that was the end of it. Actual death, like permadeath type of thing. I'm wondering if there were safety protocols that were turned off and that we're going to have like some kind of manifestation later on. Hmm. So like, <clears throat> excuse me, are you saying like 
there are going to be lasting effects of that's what I'm wondering Boim, Boim, Boimler's assimilation. That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, I I think not in this show. And if there are lasting effects, I think they're going to be played for humor, which I don't think ever think PTSD should be played for humor Mm-mm. ever. Mm-mm. Me either. But. No. Uh, but we'll see. So I, I need I need to go back, and maybe I'll bring that up next time. Um, I need to go back and like listen more intently at that uh, musical cue, because like there was there was a very defined um, tonal shift right with the with the music. Whenever they're like Boimler, Boimler, you did great. You know the the scenario's over. Whatever. Um, there is no Boimler. I excretus type of thing like his Borg name right like same mock-up as Locutus like even with the headpiece and everything even with like the laser beam like the red the one laser beam that comes across yeah comes across just like that too um but I mean I don't know if, if other like listeners if they noticed like that statement that musical statement at all but um if, if it did I'm gonna like it I'm gonna that's gonna make me like the episode more if they actually pulled that off so. And then, and then, and then, okay. And if we transition to the last thing I want to say here about this episode, um, and it again deals with Carol Freeman and her incompetence. At one point, they say like, "Oh, the the upper the upper decks, the the hierarchy. We have like really good replicators that make us a full menu, and we can get good food. But the lower deckers, they have not as good of replicators, so they can't." have as good of food or they their replicator only makes one slice of pizza at a time and, and like why is there such that divide between they were all starfleet officers so i don't like that but at the end what is carol freeman's decision to like hey we just we i saved my command and you know what i do have a better appreciation for all you lower deckers so i'm gonna give you better replicators now and better, you can have better food. And it was like, oh, great, we can have better food. Yay. Like, really? That is that is the lesson that Carol Freeman learned from this whole episode is, like, she needs to let her lower deckers have better food replicators. And when they are given that, they're okay. And, hey, yes, thank you, Captain. Thanks for taking care of us. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too serious about that and, like, I need to lighten up because this is a comedy, <laughs> but it just, I just don't like this at all. Mm-hmm. Am I be taking this too seriously? Do I need to lighten up? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, this isn't like, this is Star Trek, but it's not Star Trek, right? I mean, if, it, I, I mean, I hate even saying that, but like there, there's, there's this, just a shift. There's, there's a different vibe about Trek, you know, like since 20, what, 2017. And it's not, look, next gen onward, you know, 87 to 2005, not necessarily the same Star Trek that we had in the 1960s that we had in the 1970s and early 1980s. So like there are different uh, dividing points Deep points of demarcation for Star Trek, and maybe this is just one of them that we just have to kind of accept for what it is right now, which is not the Star Trek that we grew up with. 
I have a question. I, I don't know the answer to this. Is Akiva Goldsman and Alex Kurtzman, are they, like, executive producing this, or is this, like, all Mike McMahon? I think Kurtzman is involved in it. Okay. Because we know, like, you know, Rick Berman had the final say over everything that happened in 90s Trek. Is it like, does Alex Kurtzman have the final say in everything that's happening now? I'm willing to bet he does. Okay, all right. I mean, because he's like, yeah. he, I we're mean, just, he's, we're just, he's head of, of all the things. We're just under the direction of a different producer now, like, and you know, different producers, like, Rick Berman had his thing when he was in charge of 90s Trek, and now, and I guess not, it did, it's, it moved over into the 2000s because he was still in charge of it all the way through Enterprise, but now we just have a different executive producer. I think and so. He's, got a different thought and feel yeah I'm, I'm looking for cast and crew uh, I'm looking at it on the fly right now sorry gang no, I didn't uh, know if you knew the answer to that question before I asked it no okay so uh, we got yeah, Alex Kurtzman, um, executive producer on uh, twenty episodes. Rod Roddenberry, okay. also an executive producer. That I think. I, how much do you think he's involved? And in that's just like an honorary title. I I don't know. Because that just feels honorary to me. But yeah, I mean, like it's it's. There's twenty episodes, right? Of you know, total that total. So, um, but yeah, like Kurtzman, Kurtzman's definitely on here. And, um, one thing that we neglected to mention and, and I knew it before the, the, the credits even rolled, by the way, um, we get a voice cameo from, um, Alice Krieg as Alice the board queen, which was, which was cool. Yeah. And a little callback to, for the movie first contact. Yes blows on his face mm-hmm. you, you've got some bad skin man you need to like hydrate or something <laughs> oh man alright well let's hear the delta right so with the delta we have um, <clears throat> we're, we're looking at how it, it measures up with the different divisions of Starfleet you know as we look at the command division like with like the leadership um, type of stuff um, with with science like how well do we incorporate science and medical or whatever it might be um, how well is it on display and then of course with operations um, whether it's like techno uh, technology using technology using um, like just mechanical know-how looking at logistics and just the overall operation of stuff um, just how we would have evaluated. So, looking at episode eight, season two of Lower Decks, I excrete us. Um, what are we looking for, and how well the deltas um, showed up in this this episode? Nope. 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 None. None. I mean, I already told you. I mean, if it's not clear how I feel about the command that's happening in this episode, uh, re-listen because it's pretty awful. Um, holodeck technology, which is all that was used here, 
there's that's nothing new. There's nothing to like write home about and programming a holodeck program. And I don't see any technology. I don't see any science being used anywhere. So big fat zero all the way around for me. Okay. I think um, I think if I'm going to give anything, it's going to be only to hmm, I'm only giving it to Boimler. That's it. Okay. Okay. I I can understand that. If I'm going to give anything, it's only going to be to Boimler because I think he he demonstrated all the stuff. Um, despite like the the heck he went through, right? So, um, I think with so he he's a junior officer, he's an ensign, but the way that he handles himself and demonstrates stuff in the Borg encounter, I thought it was good, and I think like even knowing that like. Um, like the whole adaption stuff that the Borg do, like he took that into account. He kept learning, he kept growing, he kept using the resources that he had. So I think he represented like all of Starfleet well, like the best of Starfleet, the, the Starfleet ideals well um, with like each division. So to me, he's the only one I can justify giving like, like saying, yeah, this was on display type of thing. I think Rutherford was like maybe second place with that. Tendi um, just didn't really work out at all. Um, however, like Tendi was, Tendi was trying to be ethical, right, with the Klingon stuff. Um, like she was trying to understand like the situation, and which which played off like play, made the the whole episode of ethics a joke. I think. Um, but I think she was like thinking very smart about it, much the same way that Crusher did in that episode too. So I think, I don't know, like I just, I can't give it to Mariner. I could, I can give like maybe a little bit of science to Tendi and I can give a little bit of the, the operations engineering to Rutherford. Um, so maybe I'm being too generous, but that's just kind of how I'm, how I'm seeing the Delta play out with like our main characters at least in this episode. I mean, I think you're being fair. Okay. So let's um, let's go ahead and, and move on to our numerical rating. So um, with this, we rate it on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being total dumpster fire, warp core breach type of, you know, blowing up type of thing, 10 being, oh my gosh, the great bird of the galaxy would salute this episode because of how amazing it is. So, Eric, what do you got, bud? Well, if it's not obvious an hour in, I hated this episode. Okay. I hated this episode. Um, a lot. <laughs> a lot. I think I think this is in the running for nominee for worst episode of on like the TRTV awards. <laughs> I don't know if there's enough stuff this year to do that again. Right, because this—I think this is all we've had. But this—this this will be a nominee for worst episode for me. Um, This—I I don't ever want to watch this episode ever again, like ever again. Um, four. Okay. All right. 
So this is going to get real interesting real quick then. I actually really enjoyed this episode. And I've been... Um, I, I laughed so much in this episode. Um, I've already That's the pl- only reason I'm giving it a four is because there were some decent laughs. Yeah, I had multiple laughs in this. And like, um, my, my wife was watching it with me. And she was having having a chuckle too, and um, like there aren't many lower deck episodes where like I'm honestly laughing, like almost uncontrollably. But I laughed a lot in this episode. Um, didn't like didn't like the ransom and Billups in the hallway stuff. Um, didn't like the the orgy stuff in the bar. Uh, Could have done without that. Um, but I think, I mean, I think it's a pretty decent story. And again, like the gold standard, the gold standard so far for season two has been an embarrassment of duplers. Best episode of the season so far, in my opinion. Um, same thing with um, uh, where Pleasant Fountains Lie. That was the name yeah, of last. Yeah, that was last week's episode. That, yeah. I thought last week's episode was the best one two very good episodes as far as I'm concerned um, I don't know if this is in the top three of season two for me but it's it's a pretty good episode as far as I'm concerned I'm not giving it a nine not giving it a ten and not giving it an eight uh, but I'm not giving it a four either so for me as I liked it because I laughed uh, quite a bit uh, there's a good story in there Boim's got to um, be the the ideal Starfleet officer that he he wants to be, even if he was made to suffer by Captain Freeman and Mariner and everyone else because of a bureaucrat. You know, I might be very generous on this, but I think I'm going to have to give this one like. Better get your aspirin out, Eric, because you're about to have a heart attack. Um, seven, one, two, or three, something like that. I just, I really liked it, and I know that's probably shocking, but no, I mean like. You know, we don't have to be in agreement, right? I just, I like this episode. I did not. Fair enough. Fair enough. And, and, and I'm, I, mean, I'm, I mean, I'm probably in the minority on all things here because I think on IMDb this has like an 8.9 or something like that. Yeah, I, I have a hard time giving it that high. I mean, I think it only has like 100 reviews, but I still think it's like ridiculously high. Yeah, I excrete as goodness. Eight point nine. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I don't understand that at all. No. Obviously, obviously, I don't understand that. Yeah, I mean, where pleasant f- fountains lie. I mean, that was an eight point one on IMDb. Mm-hmm. Embarrassment of Duplers. That's a seven nine. We'll always have Tom Paris. Seven nine. I mean, honestly, the lowest rated one was the season premiere. But, hey, we got two episodes left. So maybe we'll be wowed. Maybe we'll have like a two-parter. Um, I don't know. Maybe Riker will come in and save the day again on episode 10. I want to see, I want to see I, like the, I, the, the, the William Boimler stuff kind of play, play out a little bit more. I'm expecting to see the Titan again at some point. And I don't know if we're going to like have a Boimler sacrifice or something because we've got two of them out there. I don't know, but I'm expecting to see the Titan again. 
I just want to see. Um, am I crazy for wanting this? Like, I want to see like Boimler at least get promoted to like a Lieutenant JG. Like, just because you're a lower decker doesn't mean you can't be like you're 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 relegated to always being an ensign. Like, well, shoot, like we saw Lieutenant JGs in the freaking lower decks episode of Next Gen. So I mean I just I just want to I just want to see like Boimler needs to be promoted. I mean like there's no there's just no reason he could not have kept his JG rank that he got from being on the Titan. It just doesn't make sense. Like rank should not prohibit you from being able to serve on a posting, right? Like you might you might take a like a pay cut, right? Like um you might take a pay cut but like Money doesn't matter in the 24th century, for crying out loud. Almost the 25th century. Yeah, the economics of the future are somewhat different. That's right. Like, let him be a lieutenant, a lieutenant JG. Like, I mean, if if Riker thought well enough of him, and he's like, I want to keep you, but I can't, type of thing, he still should have kept the, the stinking rank, and Freeman should have honored it. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I um. Look, I know like how popular you are on um, on Twitter, dude. Um. <laughs> well, I'm blowing it up, You're, dude. I'm tra- I'm trending. Is that what dude. they say? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they say. So I recent <laughs> I recent uh, recently put a a poll up on um, on the Twitter on on the Twitter, and uh, anyway. It it's kind of blown up, and I'm kind of surprised that it's kind of blown. I think it's blown up, okay. And I've gotten like a lot of people participating, and um, anyways, there's like at the time that we're we're doing this, I I don't know how because we don't have that many followers. By the way, if you want to follow, go go on get after it at trtvpod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. By the way, uh, at the time of this Twitter poll. 441 votes on this poll. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Right? What was the question? Who is your favorite Star Trek lower decks lower decker? Okay. okay. And who's 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 got the top spot? Okay. So far, in number one, like at the, in, in first place, we have Mariner with 32% of the vote. I think that's just because she's the main character. Probably. But... We have a tie um, at 27% with Tendi and Boimler. And Rutherford is at the bottom? Rutherford with 15% of the vote. Man, that's God, that's wrong. Flip that and reverse it, right? <laughs> Flip it and reverse it. <laughs> All right, Missy Elliott, what did we say? <laughs> hey, I'm cool. I know that song. I'm cool. I'm hip. I'm with it. All right, so uh, I just want to read some of these these um, comments because, like, people... I, I mean, there's, like, 33 likes, um, 8 retweets, some quote tweets, um, and 14 comments, and, like, uh, and just a whole slew of other stuff going on. Oh, someone just, just liked it as I was just saying this. Um, uh, okay, so um, Scott um, McKay... Sorry if I'm pronouncing your, your name wrong, dude. 
Uh, Boimler, when he got transferred and I thought his character was going to get phased out, it just wasn't the same without him. Glad he's back. Um, so that's Mrs. Maximoff to you. How dare you make me choose with an angry face. Uh, Tendi is so cute for a cartoon, uh, is what the autograph collector said. Uh, we got Andy Phillips, which is at Andy Falcons. How do I watch this show in the UK? That's a good question. I don't know. Um, Jamie um, at J86 Southpaw. Don't make me choose. Tear face, laughing face. Um, let's see. <laughs> this is funny. Um, let's see. It says, uh, who is this? At SFF Pod. Actually, dog. But since Tendy made dog, it's Tendy. Oh, the dog. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Um, at Kellen.com commented, uh, Samantha Rutherford is my fave. Me too. I love I love Rutherford. Me too. Uh, and um, at Packer UTE fan, which um, has the name of Jason. I can't pick just one. Um, there have been so much um, stuff with... Um, with all this um, other people are saying boim boim love me some boim um, other people are like I love Rutherford Rutherford um, yeah Tendy's cute for a cartoon which I think I already said that but yeah like it's it's all over the place and um, there was there was actually one other social media thing that I posted this week um, Eric, I, I felt really jealous of um, you and David, by the way, with the, the ink that y'all got. So I went out. I got a tattoo uh, myself, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. On my upper arm. Yeah. And um, <laughs> and I anyways, I got a I went I wanted to have like a Star Trek tattoo because, you know, I, I love Star Trek and why not? And um, I want to have honor. So I figure, you know, representing like Kalis, you know, the Klingon Empire would be appropriate because I don't want to be a Patak, right? So I decided to get a, a bird of prey tattoo, um, but cloaked um, for a tattoo. I was wondering where this joke was going. This <laughs> obviously <laughs> was a joke. <laughs> a, a cloaked bird of prey. Okay. Um <laughs> I've had some friends that have told me that they got um, a cloaked um, Defiant because Deep Space Nine is their favorite episode, or um, sorry, Deep Space Nine is their favorite show of Star Trek. Um, so it makes sense, you know, getting a, a cloaked, you know, Defiant. Not every Starfleet vessel can do that. Um, others are like, yeah. Only the, only the one. Only the one. There can only be one. And um, Unless you count the Pegasus. Right. And um, there was someone else that was talking about... Um, getting um, a cloaked Romulan warbird eventually so um, anyway so I, I mean we can all say we have tattoos now uh, mine's, mine's cloaked that's right <laughs> <laughs> so anyways I want to I want to thank everyone on um, on Twitter um, even Facebook and Instagram for for participating in like the polls the the comments um, there was one particular uh, person um, that uh, they left, they, they, they shared their, their um, ink, and it, it looks really good. It looks really good. Um, let's see, we got at um, Evil Sir247, which is Eric Lewis. Um, they left a photo comment and said, My wife and I got matching 
um, tattoos for our, our 10 year wedding anniversary, which, hey, maybe that's what we should have done, right? Like me and my wife, we should we should have gotten one like with the Starfleet Delta. And um, anyways, this one, um, it looks pretty cool. It's It's got like the, um, it's more of like the original series one, right? Like with the star in the center of the Delta type of thing. And it's got like this, um, like little golden um, hoop kind of coming around it and stuff. And it, it looks really nice. So I know you're not on like, Twitter, like but the one you like the one you have right behind you on the wall. Um, kind well, no. Um, I mean, yeah, th that Delta, but it's well, you, the rest of the people can't see it, but oh, okay, I, I see what you mean. Yeah, kind of like um, like a like a yeah, hoop, the, like the Saturn, Ni the Nike, the Nike swoosh, right? Yeah, basically, almost through it. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it looks it looks really cool. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm glad people are willing to share it. So thank you, and um, we'll have more polls because apparently people are digging the polls um, on 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 Twitter. So if you're not following us, please check us out on all the socials um, at TRTVPod. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So, Eric, I think we should get the heck out of here. You want to close this out? No, I, you can do it. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> I don't want to do it, dude. I don't want to do it. You've got. I feel like you've got that thing down, that sign-off down. Dude, I've been doing it for almost two years. Yeah. We're coming up on two years of this show, and, and we're going to be recording about it here pretty quick, so... Anyway, anyways, Eric, thank you again for, for joining me, for being faithful and being a good number one. Appreciate it, bud. Even if our opinions differ, that's the mark of a good team right there, that we can yes, it is. we can have dissenting opinions and still respect each other. Uh, yeah. I think you still respect me and like me a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, everyone out there in Listenerland, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to um, our words in your ears. And um, we'd love to hear hear what you have to say and uh, about this, your opinions, uh, whether it's about this particular episode, it's about my my new Starfleet um, Star Trek ink that I got on my arm, um, or or anything else in between. If it's an idea for a show, check us out trtvpod.com. Um, check out our handling frequencies portion, and we'd love to hear your story about Star, um, you know, getting into Star Trek, and. Um, you know, anything else in between. So uh, please interact with us. We, we'd love to share about it, you know, here towards the end of an episode. Uh, this show isn't possible without our listeners. So thank you, thank you, thank you for um, interacting however the heck you do, whether it's telling people about it, retweeting it, you know, being active on our Facebook uh, group and page. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for downloading it for crying out loud. Uh, we have over 4,000 downloads um, of our show, which, um, my, it, it seems small to some people, but it's huge to me. So that represents a lot, a lot of time listened to our show. Um, but anyways, uh, if you want to support the show, again, like I said, tell your friends about it. Um, subscribe to it. You can also um, um, be a. Uh, you can also financially support us on Patreon. Um, link at our website. Um, if you want to send us an email directly trtvpod at gmail.com you can also send us a voice only transmission to 817-752-4757 remember there's a three minute time limit and your comments may be used on a future episode um, and finally if you do want to mail us something like um, I don't know um, some kind of Borg implant or something like that you can do that P.O. Box 2455 Azel Texas 76098 
Everyone, thank you so much for joining us today. And as we leave here, may you always remember to boldly go and make it so.